Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. You're listening to Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Bridge is burning by the Foo Fighters coming back, and Kevin's eyes were just burning because of his contacts. Yeah, rookie mistake there. Forgot I was wearing contacts today. It started to rub my eye. Next thing I know, contacts on the ground. See, that's why I don't wear contacts in the morning because, first of all, my eyes would kill me if I put contacts in that early in the morning. But I normally don't wear glasses, but most people that watch the show are probably like, oh, he wears glasses all the time. It's usually just because it's early morning, and I don't want to be looking at a computer screen with contact lenses but yeah. that's also why because you rubbed your eye and right. then you had to run to the bathroom well, i figured this carpet's really clean so i just picked it right up off the carpet and ran to the bathroom and it's in the right eye and we'll see if it settles let's hope so <laughs> let's hope so for your sake uh, the best of greg rakestraw's worlds both of his worlds i think or i guess he's got a lot of worlds with how many games he's calling uh kind of collide a little bit on the visiting sideline this sunday i want to start here with rake uh, Rake, you've got Chatard's Nick Martin, Cathedral's Terry McLaurin on the visiting sideline this Sunday. Uh, you've seen those two uh, hold up some trophies inside of Lucas Oil Stadium, haven't you? Yes, I have. Those couple pretty good football players. And I'll be honest with you, I had known about, about Terry, obviously. I had kind of lost track of Nick knowing that he had played for the Houston Texans. Uh, I was not aware that he was playing for the Washington Commanders. Even more reason to be fired up about uh, Sunday afternoon. Yeah, a couple starts for Nick Martin right now. He's a rotational um, offensive lineman for them. But, yeah, I think he was with the Saints in training camp and now is with the Commanders. Let's start, I guess, with high school football tonight before we get into um, Sunday. Um, we got the big classes starting. I would assume you have your eyes on Westfield, Carmel, Brownsburg, and Ben Davis. Correct. Both those games on the IIC Sports Network, Carmel and Westfield on My Indy TV, Ben Davis and Brownsburg on uh, Comcast 81. Uh, and yes, those are two of the key games that will be taking place tonight. And the Carmel-Westfield game, um, yeah, I, I think is going to be a very competitive game. I think Ben Davis-Brownsburg, too. You know, Ben Davis-Brownsburg, you know, I think the question is going to be what exactly is the status of their starting quarterback in Jaden Whitaker who was hurt late in the HSE game uh, in, in part of HSE's come-from-behind victory to remain undefeated uh, and, and win the HCC. That's the big question mark there. I think for Carlin and Westfield, a little more straightforward. You know, I, I think it's going to be a, a, a lower-scoring game. Uh, I've seen Carmel several times. It's my first chance to see Westfield. Uh, Cole Ballard being their starting quarterback, Chris's son, um, it, it's a group that lost a tremendous senior class last year, playing a lot of sophomores and juniors this year, but just enough key seniors that were a part of those back-to-back uh, state runner-up finishes. So I expect a really good one at Carmel Stadium tonight. Are there any teams that could be on upset alert in the 6A playoffs? I don't week? know if I'd go upset alert, but you know, Cathedral and LN, I think the game might be more competitive um, than some would expect. Uh, LN, again, had to replace a, a pretty talented senior class from last year, one that led them their first sectional championship in 31 years. Uh, I think Cathedral is a better team, but I expect LN to be good enough to keep this one very competitive. So, again, I don't, start, I don't have to go upset alert, 
but don't think that's a blowout either. We uh, got things underway in um, the first round of sectionals for some of the lower classes last week. Rick, as you look at some of those classes that are already underway, um, I think it's Chittard and Hamilton Heights. Um, I know Garen Catholic had, had kind of a big game last week uh, in, in that. Um, I guess that'd be 3A. Anything Correct. stand out to you from you know 1A, 2A, 3A, 4A? You know, just the game that I was at, uh, I thought Mount Vernon played awfully well uh, to hang with New Pal. You know, and, and New Pal really had not been challenged the entire year. You know, the, the best game they had played was Westfield in week number one, and that's, you know, a 4A school that beat a 6A school, you know, by two touchdowns, and I'm not sure the game was that close, you know, to be honest with you. Other than that, it had been a lot of running clock games uh, for New Pal. That was not the case last week. Mount Vernon led that game, 24-21 going to the fourth quarter. New Pal scored in the first play of the fourth quarter and eventually put that one away by winning 35-24. New Pal looked really, really good, but I want to make sure I give a tip of the cap to Mount Vernon for, for making that game interesting, knowing it was 42-6 when those teams got together back in week number four. Again, for the ISC Sports Network, Greg Rakestraw, you'll hear him. Um, kind of a later post-game show coming up with the 425 kickoff this Sunday. Rake, you obviously have called, I guess, all of Sam Ellinger's throws in the NFL so far <laughs> with his preseason work. I think back to this August, because I thought he took a step forward from last August and what we saw this year, and I just think back to him. You know, he certainly made throws inside of the pocket, but I felt like his best work was outside of the pocket, not always off script, but when he's on the move, I feel like that backyard football, a little bit more of a comfortable setting for him. Absolutely. Uh, and, and let's face it, you know, I, I, I think the word that Sam has that the feeling is, is that Matt Ryan does not, or maybe Nick Foles does not at this point either, is mobility. What's the, what, what is that, what, that you, what you need from the Colts offensive line right now? Mobility. Um, and I also think that's part of what helps Sam in terms of, you know, a little bit tougher to game plan for him is that mobility and that that unscripted nature to some degree that I think the Colts offense will have at least this week because, yes, I'm sure the commanders have been studying all six preseason games from the last two years. But you and I both know you don't run things in the preseason that you are going to run during the regular season. So I do think that's an advantage for this football team is that Washington isn't exactly sure what they're going to see from Sam Ellinger in terms of how the Colts are going to utilize him. I, I, I think that's an advantage next week. I'm not going to lie. I, I worry about Sam going against Bill Belichick the following week uh, and, and, and what he can devise defensively that Sam hasn't seen before. But, you know, this team is, is not exactly in a position where you can worry about next week right now. All focus has to be on what's going to take place this Sunday, knowing the Colts have to stack as many wins as possible. So um, I – I don't think this is a white flag move. I, I, I just don't. Um, and I think they can be successful. I think that can start on Sunday afternoon. So what were your initial thoughts when you heard that the Colts were pulling Matt Ryan and going with Sam Ellinger? I was surprised. Um, now, again, if there is an injury and if Matt Ryan you know, can't go this week, then it's a different story. And, again, they had moved Ellinger over Foles on the depth chart. I felt that if the season had gotten away from this football team, the best thing to do was to give the ball to Ellinger. And that way you knew to some degree exactly what you had in him going into the off season. So, you know, him replacing an injured Matt Ryan shouldn't be a surprise. 
the fact that it was announced, hey, we're going to make this move and do it for the rest of the season, to me, that was the surprise. And I think, frankly, it could have been handled a little bit better uh, in terms of, you know, if, if it's an injury, then frankly, simply say it's for an injury. And if Sam plays well after a couple of weeks, say, you know what, we're going to keep the ball in number four's hands and we're going to see if we've got the quarterback for the future. So I think from a PR standpoint, it could have been handled a little bit better. Um, but again, I, I do think Elliger can play. And I don't think all of a sudden this means the Colts are waving the white flag on 2022. Yeah, the, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was just saying, the fact that they did not hide behind the Matt Ryan injury just to, for me indicates even more Jim Irsay saying, this is the move that I want and we're not going to say anything IR-related about Ryan. He's ISC's Greg Regstraw joining us on Kevin and Query on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Greg, uh, we talked a little bit at the start about Terry McLaurin. How how much have you had interactions with him, and what are your impressions of Terry McLaurin? I haven't interacted with Terry a great deal, uh, just because normally when I see Cathedral, it's it's at the you know state championship level. That I'm, I'm probably going to have them next week, but it's not like I, I have a lot of Irish games other than seeing them at Lucas Oil Stadium on a regular basis. Um, when, when Terry left Cathedral, I thought that I'm like, hey, I, I think he can play at Ohio State. I'm not sure I ever really kind of, you know, leaped forward to the next level and thought, you know, this guy's a surefire NFL player, uh, but he has been really good, and, and I am so happy for him. And, and it's funny, I was having this conversation at a Colts practice on Wednesday uh, with some of the staffers over there. I said, you know, I said, when, when you've looked at Cathedral's best players, the guys that were the best players in high school – not always are the guys that had you know great college careers or the guys that were you know you know guys that made it to the National Football League. It was all, it was sometimes the guys you didn't talk much about that ended up being great NFL players. And clearly Jack Doyle is is one of the guys I'm referencing. Um, but they have produced so many NFL guys over the year years. It may it may turn into Terry McLaurin may go down as one of the best players that Cathedral High School has ever produced. You know, obviously the the bar for him at wide receiver is going to be Mark Clayton of the Marks brothers in Miami, uh, Terry may end up outpacing him from a number standpoint. That's saying something. That Sunday matchup, him and Stephon Gilmore, will definitely be one to watch. Again, Greg Rakestraw is with us, the Colts postgame show host. You'll hear him, um, what, 8, 8.30, 8.15? I don't know, so maybe, on, maybe earlier than that. We, we will go on about 7.30 or so if the game wraps at about that time, and then on in the network till 9.30, on the fan until 10.30 on Sunday night. I want to flip over to defense real quick, Rake. Um, Shaquille Leonard, it looks like he will be playing on Sunday. With his injury situation and then Julian Blackman, we saw Julian Blackman back in the lineup last week, but Rodney Thomas, the rookie out of Yale, still had more snaps at safety than Julian Blackman. When you look at Blackman and Leonard, this defense to me is lacking in the playmaking category. It's lacking in finding the ball, creating those turnovers. Those two guys have done it in their careers, certainly Leonard more than Blackman, but I think Blackman has done a nice job of it. Are you expecting maybe Leonard to quickly ascend to his normal playing time, or would do you look at Blackman and think, yeah, he's going to get back to his normal playing time? I think it's going to be Shaq first, but what I also think could happen is is that you, you work these guys back in as more situational players, as being third-down guys. In other words, if the defense, which it has been doing its job, does its job on first and second down, um, then you put those guys in to be ball hawks on third down when you kind of know what's coming uh, when you're in a passing situation. And so, again, I'm not sure if that's the role for those guys, you know, long-term, but short-term, 
it's a way to keep guys like Zaire Franklin and, and EJ Speed on the field who have played well. It's a way to keep Rodney Thomas on the field who have played well. It's a way to ease back in both Blackman and Leonard, and it's a way to put them back in there. The scenario in which they thrive best, which is go find the football, especially when you know it's going to be more of a pass than a run on third down. So what should expectations be for Shaq Leonard the rest of the season, given his injury issues this season? I wish I had a great answer for you. Um, And frankly, it's going to take him playing more than a half for me to give you an answer on that. Uh, You know, can he stay healthy? Can he stay out there? You know, frankly, the half that he played against the Titans, the defense didn't look good. You know, the half that he played, the, the Colts allowed 24 points. The half that he didn't, they scored zero points. So let's again. I want I want to see him ease back in, and again, that's that's not to rip him. That's more of a nod to how good Franklin Okereke and to a lesser degree EJ Speed have been for this football team. Rake, last one from me. Tart Glenn in the Ring of Honor coming up this Sunday. I, I guess I didn't realize this until I started to look more into Tarek's story. I forgot that he was a right guard his first season out of Cal, and then Howard Mudd said to him. You're moving to left tackle. You're going to block the blind side of Peyton Manning, and what a hell of a move! And I don't know, maybe the current right guard to left tackle situation is you know right on my mind right now. That's not an easy move, and he did it at a Pro Bowl level for a decade. It's not. You got to remember, he was a holdout uh, in 1997, uh, and so that was the reason they kind of slotted him in at guard. Gotcha. Uh, okay. He 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 was he was he was he was going to be a tackle the entire time. It was a holdout coming out of Cal. They kind of put him at right guard. Nothing went right in '97, and so it was it was you know thought of. Hey, we're immediately going to make this move and put him at left tackle. And I think Tarek Glenn is one of the most underrated players in the history of the Indianapolis Colts. He was a fantastic football player, and frankly, he left some football on the table. Uh, I think he I think he could have been playing for at least two or three more years. He elected to walk away. But Tarek Glenn is a is a good dude, and he is a very deserving entrant into the Colts Ring of Honor coming up this weekend. You think if he rides it out another three or four years, they win another Super Bowl? Potentially. I mean, let's face it. Look how close they were to winning one. And I'm not saying it was the left tackle spot right. as to why right, they right. lost. But could he was he good enough where he could have been a difference maker? Absolutely, he could have been. I mean, he was a Pro Bowler in the year that. Right. He, he retired. So would that have been Adam Meadows at left tackle that first year? I'm trying to think who would have been. Or they, I were, guess. they were drafted first and second round, and I think Meadows played left tackle that year. But the the idea was always going to be one's at left tackle, one's at right tackle. And unfortunately, shoulder injuries kind of kind of sped up the demise of, of Adam Meadows, who was also a phenomenal human being and a guy I really enjoyed talking to and spending time with, et cetera. But yeah, it was it was Tark was the first round pick out of Cal, and Adam was the second round pick out of Georgia in 1997. Gotcha. Yeah, pretty good stability right there. That's Peyton Manning walking in having Marvin Harrison and Tark Glenn. <laughs> uh, certainly, I think helped him early in his career. Rake, I'll see you in the press box on Sunday. Enjoy Carmel and Westfield, big one in Hamilton County tonight. Yes, it is. Thanks, fellas. Have a good one. That's great, Greg Straw, right there on the ISC Sports Network. Again, looks like a pretty nice night for high school football. It's Kevin and Query, Mark Dykton in for the European traveling Jake Query. Kevin Bowen here on 93.5107.5 The Fan. Joining us now, the voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. He'll be on the call Sunday when the Colts take on the Commanders. A different quarterback matchup than you were expecting uh, at the start of the season, right? Right, Matt? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, whoever on the bingo card had uh, Sam Ellinger <laughs> versus Taylor Heineke, go ahead and get your prize. That's that's the that's the take all right there. That's the cover all. You get the hundred dollar bill on your way out. Well, that's where I wanted to start. Mate. Beautiful job on Twitter a few days back, giving us a nice phonetic um, action there. <laughs> Ellen like Ellinger, right? It is Ellinger. I've heard it both ways, Ellinger, Ellinger, um, but it is Ellinger, as in Austin Powers, baby. Gur, baby. Ellinger. Nice. Yeah, Tony the Tiger right there, Matt Taylor. <laughs> well, well, while we're on the pronunciation train, what, what, what else do we screw up too much on the Colts card? Okara K? I got that right, right? No, you guys are good at that. Okay. Um, it- okay. Yeah, Okereke is pretty commonplace now uh, as compared to week three last year when we blew it up. Um, Shaq Leonard, I think, has become standard in, yeah. in town. Um, let's see, Dioy Dangbo, I think people got that down. What about Afonis. number 59, the guy that yeah. had the sack and did the dance a few weeks ago? <laughs> I always liked him in the preseason. That's right, Afadi Adeniobo from Northwestern. He's been around. He's, he's a really good Man. player. Do that again? Afadi Adeniabo. Boy. Yeah, he did the uh who who was that against? Is that Tannehill? He did the, the sword dance. Remember that after the sack? I'm trying to think who that was against. Maybe Mahomes, I don't know. Yeah, man, I don't, it's all it's all getting blurry at this point. We played yeah. seven games plus three preseason <laughs> games and training camps. So yeah, there's there's things that are starting to mesh together. I think it was a home game, if memory serves. Yeah, a funny Deniobo. I feel like you say that in the mirror three times, and like spirits come at you or something. That's like yeah. something you find in like a witchcraft. Book. It's like a Halloween ritual. Yeah. Don't say those words. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> my 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 Friday night Saturday night ritual is to. Uh, go over my notes once again, just sort of refresh everything so that it's it's there on Sunday, but then also to hit the pronunciation guide really hard. So for um, Washington, they've got Diami Brown. Uh, they've got Sadiq Charles. They've got Kalik Hudson. Um, and then one of my favorite, he's a, he's a Canadian native. They've got Benjamin St. Juice, Ooh. but it's spelled J-U-S-T-E. So a little French Canadian there, but it's pronounced St. Juice, and then also in the all-name team out of Wisconsin, Rashad Wild Goose. Oh my and that's, gosh! That's, he should that's be a fullback. That's a great last name, right? Rashad Wild Goose, like that's that's legitimately his last name, which is fantastic. So gosh, he's going to play. That. He's probably their nickel corner, and he's going to see the field a lot. Absolutely love it. Educate, educate and entertain. That's what we do here on Kevin Query. Matt Taylor helping us out in that department today. Our coverage will begin at 1.30. I actually think JMV comes on at 12.30 this Sunday with the 4.25 kickoff. Uh, Mayte, I think one of the big like individual matchups for Sunday that we haven't <laughs> talked about a whole lot this week because there's been other topics, but how about like Terry McLaurin against Stephon Gilmore? I got my popcorn ready for that one. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is great. I mean, it's a great storyline with the local tie as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I called some of his games in high school, and I thought, man, this is a great player, and he's, you know, the best player on, on a really good cathedral team. But I didn't think he'd be, you know, what he is, a number one getting paid, you know, handsomely uh, before his rookie contract was up. So, yeah, that's, that's a great matchup with the, you know, game within the game, if you will. Um, so really excited to see what that, um, you know, how that transpires. Also excited to see, you know, how this Colts offensive line can hold up and and do a better job in pass protection with that front four um, from the Commanders. That's that's a really formidable force there with Montez Sweat and 
Deron Payne. Jonathan Allen is probably in the running for best nose tackle with Grover Stewart in the NFL, and then James um, Smith-Williams, and they're even better when Chase Young comes back. So, you know, the Colts are trying to find that, that running game with a different scheme or tweak in the scheme, if you will, with Sam Ellinger. So we'll see how they can navigate, you know, those two parts of the game on the outside, trying to slow down their best receiver and then trying to establish Jonathan Taylor against a very formidable front four and front seven. Um, DK wanted me, and I don't know, maybe I've been pronouncing this the wrong way. I thought I had it right. Is it Yannick Ngakwe? Yannick Ngakwe, yes, sir. But not Yannick, correct? It is unique, yes. Unique, yeah. okay. All right. Yeah. I think we've covered them all. Hawk, unique is Matt, unique. Matt Hawk, right? The, the the punter, not hack? Yeah, it's still it's still Matt Hawk. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And I know we're still getting uh, people on Twitter about the, the Jag. It's the Jaguars, not Jaguars. Uh, like, that's going to that. happen regardless. Yeah. Can, we punt, can we punt that into uh, some other stratosphere? Because I am so sick and tired of hearing about that. Um, so you say Jaguars one time, and then you got people four years later still on you. Oh, I always say Jaguars, man. Come on now, you got it. Yeah. I'm I'm totally backing you on that ja- one. Jag. So every time we play Jacksonville, it is the overemphasis on Jaguars because of clowns on Twitter. <laughs> so Matt, uh, what were your initial thoughts on Sam Ellinger getting the nod, and then how do you think the Commanders uh, scheme against him on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, initial thoughts was just, I mean, just kind of like everybody else. I mean, when you just look at it on the the surface value of it all, it's just, you know, wow, what a move. I mean, because the Colts are going from a guy that's, and I said this all week, you know, a 15-year veteran that's top 10 all-time in everything that's played in the Super Bowl to a guy that's, you know, prior to Sunday's never thrown a pass in the NFL in the regular season. But you understand the move if you just sort of take the names and the faces out of the equation and you, you watch the games, you look at the stats, you see the rankings, you see you know, where, where things are going and how they've gone through seven games, you do come to the conclusion that, that something needs to change and maybe a spark is warranted, and that's where the Colts are at right now, going to this measure of inserting a, a guy that's got a lot of potential. They've wanted to see what he can do, and um, you know, they're just, you know, trying to find some sort of jolt, some sort of sparks, some catalyst to get this thing going. And this is not a punt job. It's not waving the white flag. There's still 10 games left, and Tennessee's not going to run away with the division, so they still think they're in this. And they, they legitimately think that, that Sam Ellinger can can be the guy that, that gets them back on track and gets them in the hunt here. So we'll see how it goes. Now, with that being said, I mean, again, he's – making his first start on Sunday. There's going to be bumps in the road. There's going to be growing pains. There's going to be, you know, series that, that go wrong. He's going to make mistakes. He's probably going to throw some, uh, you know, some, some passes that, that either get knocked down or they might get intercepted in a crucial time. I mean, that's just – he's essentially a rookie in that regard. So, um, but, but I do think that he can add a little bit of a spark to this offense with the mobility, help the, the protection that hasn't uh, held up to the degree that they wanted it to or, or, how, or how it has in years past. Um, and, and I think the, the arm velocity is there. I mean, I just don't think if the Colts, if, if this were hypothetically a year ago and, and let's say Carson Wentz is struggling and the Colts offense is struggling um, in 2021 like it is in 2022, I don't think Sam's ready. But because of the offseason work that he's put in, 
and the amount of time uh, that he spent with Tom House and just the improvement that he has shown, the, the, the drastic improvement from year one to year two, um, you know, I do think he's ready for this moment, and I don't think he's going to be phased by the pressure. I mean, I don't think he feels pressure. I mean, this is a, a Texas guy playing at Texas for 43 games in college where they, they love, uh, you know, football. I mean, Sam Ellinger being a quarterback at Texas is like Damon Bailey being a, you know, sharpshooter from Indiana. Right, like right. This is, He's not going to be overwhelmed by this. Um, but that being said, you know, it's up to the teammates to, to you know, prop him up and, and play the best for him in order for the Colts to have a shot at, at turning this thing around after a 3-3-1 three, three and one start. Again, voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, Mate, I thought you had a really good college comparison, or I guess a recent college comparison, for Sam Ellinger the other day. And I know some fans will probably want to puke at it, but it, I, I do think it is uh, – a similar playing style, and uh, you use Peyton Ramsey for Sam Ellinger, the former IU quarterback who we know ended at Northwestern, of a guy that um, are there questions, are there limitations about vertical passing and mm-hmm. arm velocity and you know fitting balls into tight 16, 18-yard windows down the field? Certainly. Like, Ellinger's going to have to prove that on Sunday. But I think there's also a guy that knows how to process pretty well, can keep some plays alive with his legs, can give you a running threat really well outside of the pocket. And I think that's where the Colts have got to cater towards Ellinger on Sunday is the bootleg, um, the RPO stuff. Get him comfortable. Get him back to feeling like he's at Texas with Mm -hmm. how you're calling things. Yeah, I mean, and granted, I mean, I fully admit, I, I don't, I didn't see a lot of Sam Ellinger in college because, quite frankly, I don't get to watch a lot of college football. You know, with with this job and this lifestyle, I, I don't have a lot of free time on Saturdays to just sit around and watch ball. But the times that I did catch Ellinger in college, I did come away thinking. He plays a lot like the IU quarterback, you know, in 2018, 2019. And, and maybe he was a, a better version of Peyton Ramsey. I think that's how I classified it. He was, he did it at the time have uh, better arm strength, more velocity than, than Peyton Ramsey. But when things did sort of get muddy in the pocket, he could create. He could get a, a third down and five with his feet and scramble and have that debilitating um, ability to get a third down and, and just cripple a defense, if you will, in terms of emotion and, and, and psychological letdown. When you, when you give up a, a third down to a quarterback scramble, I can tell you firsthand, like that is so deflating. Yeah, it's backbreaking. Uh, no doubt. No doubt. So – you know, when when you watch Ellinger now, though, he does have those secondary throws. He's he's attempting passes now that I don't think he would have last year. He's he's got those secondary throws where he's got you know like the deep out or the comebacks or the digs or the long overs between linebackers and safeties. Um, you know, and, and Frank Reich talked about that you know back in training camp, and then obviously this week with the storyline being what it is. I mean, if 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 you're a player one to ten uh, in terms of improvement, it, it's hard to go from like even a guy that comes in as a rookie as like a seven or an eight and go to from one off season to the next to like an eight point five. Well, Sam went from like a seven to like an eight and a half, and that's really hard to do. And that's because of his personal dedication to his craft, um, you know, taking the onus on himself to work with Tom House and just being such a 
um, you know, a, 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 a student, if you will, of, of science with those three elements. He talked about it, torque from the lower body, functional fitness, which is the way your shoulders shaped, and then, you know, trying to put that all together with, with the force, you know, the way that you use the ground to use that power, you know, uh, from your feet. So I know I'm getting – what I just said, I don't even understand, but that's what <laughs> Sam Ellinger talked yeah, about in the like offseason. Bill Nye, the science guy. Yeah, it's like a two-year process with, with Tom House, so he's only halfway there. But you, you saw just how improved he is from a velocity standpoint from his rookie year to now. All right, I'll, I'll do a less scientific question here for you. Better chances Jim Ursay says hi to Carson Wentz or Daniel Snyder on Sunday? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Jim will obviously uh, speak with Carson. I, I, I have no idea to uh, – I, I can't pretend to understand the ins and outs of the, the feud there between the owners, so I'll just leave it at that. But, um, yeah, no doubt the storylines of this game have certainly changed within the last two weeks. We thought it was going to be – you know, uh, you know the the former quarterback trying to prove that you know his exodus was unwarranted, and now it's you know uh, the Colts making a shift with ten games left, trying to find a spark on offense, and now you've got all this uh, outside uh, you know with with the owners and you know the owners meetings, and our franchise is going to be sold. So I just sort of stay in my lane and just worry about the X's and O's. Looks like I'm sorry, good. I was just going to say I don't know if you typically do this with Ring of Honor stuff, but do you guys carry halftime on the radio like will you carry the Ursay Tart Glenn audio? So what we do is it's it's really difficult for us just because of, you know, sponsors and elements that we need to get in during halftime. I mean, right. for those that don't know, halftime is always a crunch and even with um, you know, the Tarek Glenn Ring of Honor ceremony, we're only getting one extra minute. So it goes from 13 minutes to 14 minutes, which I, I personally think every halftime in sports should be that short, but it's very short in the NFL compared to, like, college football or college basketball. Yeah, it's so like really 20 minutes in college football. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it just sort of you know, drags out. But, you know, we've got sponsorship elements. Unfortunately, we've got to fit in. So what we do is we end up taping it at halftime, um, and, and there's certain things about the Ring of Honor ceremony that, that, that don't translate to radio, like when they throw to a Jumbotron video feature. Like, that's not going to obviously translate well to the audio medium. So we take that out, but we will obviously record the speeches from uh, Jim Irsay and Tarek and ha- record those and have those in full, and we'll play that in full on the postgame show, and we'll also post that audio on Colts.com after the game uh, for anybody that missed it. So we can't get it in the halftime because of you know, scoreboard features and stats features that are sold, so um, we'll get it in after the game. Makes sense. Okay, last one from me, Mate. I thought one of the bright spots from Sunday that, again, just with how the news cycle has gone, we haven't talked about it a lot. I thought Jonathan Taylor looked back to his normal self, and I'm talking last year, normal self. I, I felt like he made some cuts laterally that were pretty impressive, 10 carries for 58 yards. Um, I know Washington's got a good defensive front, but – now with Ellinger having, or now the quarterback for the Colts having the threat of a run, uh, I feel like there's an opportunity for this run game to start feeling a little bit more consistent success that really hasn't been there at all this season. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, Jonathan Taylor last week, we forget. I mean, he averaged 5.8. That was a really good game. He he did look good. I know he wasn't getting the ball, you know, 25 times, um, you know, towards the end of last year. But uh, he did look good. He was he was cutting better, jump cutting. You know, he was taking, uh, you know, tacklers for rides, if you will. He was good after contact. Um, so he did look, I, I thought, like he did back in week one against Houston when he went over 100 yards and just sort of put that offense on his shoulder towards the end of that game in the fourth quarter and overtime. Um, but, yes, I do think schematically it should, in theory, help Jonathan Taylor in this running game because of the threat of the mobility from Sam Ellinger to pull it out on a read zone or a read option. Um, so, again, I think that's sort of the genesis of this move and why the Colts are making it. So they can have that element presence in the offense that has just struggled so much to find you know, rhythm and points and – I think if Sam Ellinger can, you know, he's got to find that balance of knowing when to take off, knowing how to read an RPO, but also trusting his teammates. Um, but right now, the Colts are just trying to infuse anything into that offense because of the, the poor protections this year, the turnovers. I think he'll do a better job of just understanding to steal a line from you because I, 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 I've heard you this week, and I do agree with you, of understanding when a play is doomed, let's not make a bad play worse by making a bad decision and turning the football over because – and I'll say it for the umpteenth time. I mean, if you could live with the Colts scoring whatever it is, 15, 16 points per game and the sacks and all that, if they just don't turn the ball over, honest to God, they would probably have at least one more win, maybe two. And, and that's crazy to say, but that's that's how you know alarming these turnovers have been and how costly they've been. So you probably beat Houston, and you, you probably win at least one of those Tennessee games if you just don't turn the football over. So that, that's where I think Sam will come in and have a good football IQ and understand where to go with the football and maybe more importantly where not to go with the football. You like the 425 kick? I do not. <laughs> I do not. I am, I am a fan of the 1 o'clock, be done by 4 o'clock, uh, be home by dinner by about 6 put the kids to bed, uh, go back to work, be done with your day by about 10. Instead, it's going to be I'll miss dinner, I'll miss the kids, and I'll be done work with work by about uh, 2 in the morning. So, no, yeah. I am not a fan of the 4 o'clock. The only, the only saving grace is it's a home game. It's all about repetition for Matt Taylor. It's all about me. I, I am so routine-based that I – that I kind of agree. I know I've tried to been talking myself into it this week. I'm like, oh, I can spend a lot of time with the family, and then I'm thinking, no, Maddie would much rather have me home at, oh, yeah. at dinner time and for bedtime. Quality control, brother. Quality mm -hmm. control. Yeah, yep. lacking here with this national broadcast, but uh, <laughs> no one cares about that. Matt Taylor, have a great call. Again, our coverage, 1230 with John over at Bullseye, 130. Our network coverage will begin. Mate, uh, see you Sunday. I appreciate you guys. Have a great weekend. That's Matt Taylor right down the Payless Liquors hotline. I guess I'll see him later today, actually. Final practice of the week. I Will we know who the punter's going to be? I, I, I was going to say, like, outside of punter, I don't really know. Again, I think Shaquille Linder will play. I think Quiddy Pay will not play, unless I'm missing some people on the injury report. 